coming up. We actually have at the very end of numbers 10, what happens is that it tells us that the Jewish people left the mountain of the Lord and traveled for three days. They left the mountain and traveled for three days. And uh, then in verse 1 of 11, right after saying they traveled, the people complained about their hardships in the hearing of the Lord. And when he heard them, his anger was aroused. And fire from the Lord burned among them and consumed some of the outskirts of the camp. And uh, they, when Israel at first arrived at Mount Sinai, God told them to what? Spend three days to prepare yourselves and get ready to meet with me. Three days was all they needed, at least at that point, to, to get into God's presence, to prepare themselves to be ready. And now, three days after leaving Sinai, they either forgot everything God said or chose to ignore it or something along those lines. Uh, three days, I don't know if that's good news or bad news. Uh, in three days, everything can change for the better or for the worse, I guess that means. Really good or really bad things can happen in just three days. Can totally turn around, and so we need to keep that in mind. Three days after leaving Sinai, they just started complaining so much that God sent fire. And to just consume and destroy people who were complaining. So, I mean, what were they complaining about? I don't know if it's the mosquito bites that come out at night. I don't know if it's you know, all the animals that came to visit them in their little sukkah. And so, you know, a, a sukkah is not the same as home sweet home. We can close and lock the door. Uh, but they don't have that option living in a little sukkah. And so were they complaining about that or, you know, there's always people in the crowd, uh, or was it the, the sounds of the Sinai? You know, during the daytime, they loved all the sounds of the Sinai. You're out there enjoying nature and just absolutely love it. But then when you lie down and try to go to sleep, now that's a whole other story. You hear every little sound. It keeps you awake, whether it's the peeper frogs, the river loons, the wild boars, or probably worst of all, the guy snoring in the sukkah next door. Whatever it was, it kept people awake out there in the wilderness. And it could just be there's always people in the crowd. You know, are we there yet? Uh, moms and dads, how come I always have to be last in line? Why do I have to carry everything? It seems like we've been in the wilderness for days. Why won't you tell me where we're going? I mean, there's always people in a crowd that just make life interesting, give you plenty of reasons to complain. And, and, and so they were complaining and got God upset. Now, they're really fortunate, I think, that Moses was their leader. You know, because imagine if you were the leader out there and all this complaining's going on. You know, you, you, you might have uh, sat there and decided to open a complaint department. <laughs> Please take a number. <laughs> or, you know, push button for service. You know, you could have come up with a little complaint department to help settle the problem, solve the problem. That's it. This will do it real easily, huh? And you probably don't need to have everybody who's complaining push a button, because hopefully a bunch will get the idea after two or three do it. 
and they'll stop complaining. And so people were just complaining, complaining, day after day out there in the wilderness. And then, uh, verse 4, Sam mentioned this here, the riffraff. I like it in the message. It sounded really neat. The riffraff among the people, they had a craving. And they soon had the people of Israel whining, why can't we have meat? We ate fish in Egypt, and it... Got it free to say nothing of the cucumbers, melons, leeks, onions, and garlic. But nothing tastes good out here. All we get is manna, manna, manna. That's it, you know. I mean, every week there, what? Moses handed out a menu. <laughs> right? Mon Sunday, breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Manna, manna, manna. Monday, manna, manna, manna. Oh, look, wait, Saturday, there's something different. Friday's leftovers. Oh, that's manna too. I mean, lots of different reasons people were complaining out there. They didn't have to, you know, try too hard to find something to complain about. And, and so we saw in verse 4, he actually called them riffraff in the message there. And other translations said they're worthless, troublemakers, contemptible, grumblers. This is the kind of people Moses had to put up with out there. Day after day in the wilderness. And then it tells you this, this is to describe them constantly complaining, causing trouble. And then I think he, he throws in another word that helps us to get a picture of why it's happening. Look on the inside, it used the word craving. Other translations, they lusted exceedingly, lusted greatly, greedy desires, burned with desire, insatiable appetite. That's why they're complaining, because this is what's going on in the inside. Do you know people who could be described as riffraff, worthless troublemakers, always causing trouble and complaining? People who are always craving, lusting for more, full of greed, burning with desires that are never satisfied. If so, we need to keep clear of them. Because sin is just like leaven. It's contagious. You know, it is contagious. That's what 1 Corinthians chapter 5, Paul's talking about making the connection to Passover, to leaven. It is contagious, and that's what happened out there in the wilderness. It just spread one, two, three, et cetera, to whatever number of people it eventually infected. Craves we see in this chapter can lead to early graves. And so if you don't want to go to an early grave, do not give in to things that you lust or crave. Because that's what happens. And, and so after that, what is, you know, people just, we want meat. Now, this was not Elisa Ashby. We can relax in peace. You will never hear her whine and complain like this. All right? You don't have to worry. Now, the Goldbergs, some of them try, but all of us, what is it? Is it uh, what's in, in, in beef? Is it iron or protein? What is it? 
I, we're low in it, all of us are. <laughs> and so we've either got to go back to meat or start with the lentils. So pray which one we got to do. And, uh, but they just, we want meat. They're just complaining. And they just kept demanding this over and over and over. So what happened here? Numbers 11, let me read this here in verses 18. When Moses said, tell the people, God said, consecrate yourselves in preparation for tomorrow when you're going to eat meat. The Lord heard you, Moses says, and when you wailed, if only we had meat to eat, we were better off in Egypt. <laughs> that statement, <laughs> we were better off in Egypt. Now, I, do, I would miss my garlic. I, I have to admit, I would really miss garlic. But I just can't imagine sitting there thinking we're better off in Egypt. Now the Lord, Moses says, he'll give you some meat to eat. You won't eat it just for one day, or two, or five, 10, 20, a whole month, 30 days straight, until it comes out of your nostrils. <laughs> because, and you loathe it, because you have what is the, exactly the problem? You've rejected the Lord. That's the root now as you keep going deeper. And you've wailed before him, saying, why'd we ever leave Egypt? First thing I see in this passage, that the Lord gave the people what they wanted. But we need to remember that just because God gives us what we ask for, doesn't mean we really need it, or that it's good for us. Sometimes he just says, you just keep complaining, and I just got to shut you up. I'll give you what you want, and then you'll realize it. You learn the hard way. So just because God even gives us something doesn't mean it's good for us. We see this here. The second thing is the people were complaining about how God was caring for them. And, and so what did he say? This means that you've rejected the Lord. You've actually rejected him. I don't like the way you're taking care of us, God. I disagree with the way you're doing things, and, and we, we think we could do things better than you. And so it's rejecting the Lord is what that is. Rejecting him and his provision, his care, and what he knows. And so then, verses 33 and 4, while the meat was still between their teeth, before it could even be consumed, the anger of the Lord burned against the people. He struck them with a severe plague. And so the place was called Kivrot Hata'ava, grave of craves or craving. And because they buried a number of people who had craved for other food. Now in the beginning of Numbers 11, God sent fire and many people died. At the end of the chapter, he sent a plague, and many more wound up in graves. Sadly, this pattern of craving, complaining, and rejecting God continued throughout their time in the wilderness. And this problem has continued to plague all of mankind to this day. Because we're just the same, sadly, too often. And so if you don't want things you crave to put you in that early grave, we need to learn how to change. We need to change and do something. And so finally, 
I don't know who figured it out first, rub your eye, but Paul has a few things in Philippians to help us. One here, it says in 2.14, do all things, everything without grumbling, fault-finding, and complaining against God. So just a statement, just direct statement, just they were finding fault with God. They didn't like what he was doing. And they were complaining because they wanted or coveted things that he wasn't giving them. Just a few weeks earlier, God warned them not to do this at Mount Sinai. He gave them what? Ten Commandments. And part of it there, 2017 in Exodus, you shall not covet, want, or desire your neighbor's house, your neighbor's wife, his male or female servant, ox, donkey, bonefish, anything that belongs to your neighbor. Don't covet and want or desire things that someone else has or that you used to have but no longer have, is what they were doing specifically there. They missed what they used to have when they were there in Egypt. And so coveting, wanting a desire, is that what we can't have? And then Paul in 4, 8 and 9, summing it up, friends, You'll do best by filling your minds, and this is what I'll look at just for a few minutes there. Filling your minds and meditating on things true, noble, reputable, authentic, compelling, gracious. The best, not the worst. The beautiful, not the ugly. Things to praise, not things to curse. So put into practice what you learned from me what you heard and saw and realized, or follow my example. Do that, and God, who makes everything work together, will work you into his most excellent harmonies. And so I think, as we start to grab hold of this passage, that can help us avoid the complaining and craving. Fill your minds, stuff your minds with the right things as much as you can, so there's no room or space for anything else. Only allow things to get in your mind that align with the truth found in God's Word. Now, don't just put truthful thoughts in your mind. You need to meditate on them. You need to contemplate, ponder, think, consider, turn over in your mind. See it from all different angles and sides so that we grow in our understanding of what God's trying to teach us. Fill your mind, meditate on these things that are true, authentic, factual, correct, accurate, the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. God's is truth, and the Bible records His words. So we need to fill our minds with words from the Bible and continue to study it and dig into it, ponder it, discuss it. Fill our mind with things also that are noble, honorable, moral, moral and polite, reputable, meaning trustworthy, highly regard of good standing in the eyes of God, not necessarily the world, but things that are in good standing with God and His Word. Things that fill our mind need to be compelling. 
convincing, that means gripping and captivating, so that they actually can take hold and stick. It's got to be convincing and grip and grab hold of us somewhere in here so it actually stays. I've given up on conferences. They're nice little boosters and pep rallies, but you go home tomorrow and nothing's changed usually. And it's nice you got this big crowd, but I've done with it. I'm done with it. It's just fanfare and show, but somehow something's got to get in here and grip me so I actually can change. And if they really come from God, they'll be the best, finest, greatest, and most excellent things you'll ever learn. You'll find them to be unsurpassed. Nothing, nothing you ever hear will surpass them. What's in God's word. Now, putting these words from in our head is not enough. If all we do is put them in our head, it's useless. And so he says, you've got to put them into practice. Allow them to dictate the way we think and live. If it doesn't impact how we live, it's a waste of time. We've gathered great information, but it's totally useless. We've got to put it into practice in our life. And what's neat there, he says, is listen, don't try to guess or figure it out all by yourself. Spend time together with people God puts in your life. And then do what you learn from them. Follow their example, Paul says. Follow my example. Follow me, he said, as I follow Messiah. And so we've got to get together with other people on our journey. And then when we see them doing it, we just grab hold. Take If we have to, like a little kid, grab hold. We had the other picture earlier of grabbing daddy's hand. Grab the hand so we don't let go. So we don't get lost. So we actually make it there. So we stay there. And then when you live like this, God will bring things into his most excellent harmony. So one of you worship leaders could teach a whole lot better on that word. But harmony. Just simply things will come into agreement and work in our life finally. And then, 4.11, I've learned to be content whatever the circumstances or satisfied to the point that I'm not disturbed or disquieted. So one, it just learned. It's going to take time. It's going to take time, practice over and over again, study, digging in over and over again to do what he said. But the more this becomes a reality, the more we will find ourselves content and satisfied in life. Crazy things are still going to happen, but we won't be disturbed. We'll experience contentment and satisfaction despite the circumstances, despite all that's happening around us. We can live in great contrast to the people of Israel who wandered in the wilderness if we follow the instructions of the Bible and the lessons of the people written about in the Bible. So do what Paul teaches us here, and we can prevent a crave from putting us in an early grave. And the last thing to just remember is that Father God knows best. 
He knows what he's doing. And just remember that Father knows best. Let me pray for us. Lord, thank you for the Bible, for Numbers 11 and all of that Bible. Lord, you put in there those difficult times for the people of Israel because here we are a few thousand years later and we relate completely. And uh, God, help us. We don't want to wind up like them in graves of cravings. We don't need fire to consume us, just the sin in us. And so, Lord, please work in our lives. Help us to do the things Paul and all the other writers of the Bible teach us, Lord. And help us, Lord, despite the craziness and evil that goes on, that, Lord, as we live by your word, pursue living by your word, that we can be content despite all that's happening. Help us to experience your contentment and your satisfaction while we live in this crazy world. We thank you for this in the name of Yeshua. Amen.